to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So again, just for fun, who is he writing to then? The Hebrews, right? So he's writing to the Hebrew nation that's scattered around the Roman Empire. Greetings. He says in verse 2, my brothers. Now here's the word, count it all joy. And we just got to start there. So before we get to double-mindedness, we have to start with joy because that's where the thought began. And again, that, that word count there is an interesting Greek word in that it's a command is really what it means. So we could say it, James was saying, hey, brothers, remember, command joy. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what that word count, it doesn't mean necessarily I'm going to count like with my fingers I'm going to count. Right, <laughs> right. It, he's literally saying, hey, listen, lead with joy. Command joy. Uh, again, it's, 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 it's a word that has got like almost zero emotion in it, the word command. It literally means we will mm-hmm. be joyful. Yeah. Can I read it from yeah, the passion? Do it. Read it from the passion. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. That's right. And in that is, again, is that how do we do that? How do we experience joy in challenging times is we command it. Mm-hmm. We draw joy. And again, and, and like all the other, and I know one of the last times I think I spoke, you know, Kurt brought up talking about, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. But that's what we can do with all the fruits of the Spirit. We can command love. We can command patience. We can command kindness. We can command self-control. We can come. Why? Because they're fruits that are in our spirit. They are not fruits that are outside of our spirit. So many people look at these things as things that are external, right? So we got to go obtain them. We got to go get them. Whereas here, James says, no, no, no. Joy is something that's commanded from you from the inside. Is that an interesting thought? Yes, very. Anybody all right? (laughs) Hey, but listen, there's power. That's, see guys, listen, that's real spiritual maturity. Real spiritual maturity is, uh, and even on this, real spiritual maturity is not seen in the good times. Real spiritual maturity is seen in the challenging times. Right? Because it's, it's easy to believe when everything's going right. Mm-hmm. Right? That's easy. Right? The challenge in believing is, is I will believe no matter what goes on. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right? It does not matter what's going on. The same thing. I will be joyful always. Again, we haven't gotten to that part of Philippians yet, but that's what Paul commands in Philippians chapter 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? So this whole idea of we rejoice always. Amen. Why? Because we can. Because why? Because joy in these things are something that we can literally command up and from our spirit. Amen. And say, I will be joyful. I will rejoice. Amen. I will be patient. I will love. 
right? I will have self-control. I will. Amen to me. That's very good. So command joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, now this is why, that the testing of your faith produces patience, or the word here is perseverance or endurance. Right now, here's the thing. Our faith will be tested, right? So faith isn't there so we would never have a test. (laughs) Does that make sense? Faith actually will produce a test. And it's kind of, I know, I know, I know, Alicia, I know. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So so here's, a, here's an Old Testament example to help us understand this. It's proverbially David and Goliath. So now David, David wasn't looking for a giant. No. Right? Again, y'all have heard me say this before. David was door dashing. He was grub hubbing for his dad, right? He was doing a little Domino's pizza delivery on the side, right? He was keeping the sheep. And then his dad says, hey, go door dash these sandwiches over to your brothers and see how the battle's going, right? So he takes this food over, and in the journey of his life, David's faith, his persuasion of who God was, who he was because he was an Israelite, and he had a covenant with Israel, produced the opportunity to go kill a giant. Does that make sense? When it says testing, that's what we mean, right? When we say testing, that's what happens. Right? I, I, I do think, again, and this is one of those things, as we grow in the Word of God, as we grow in these things, that's why Jesus said about that different types of ground of our heart. He says, hey, listen, when persecution comes, and another word for that could be when testing comes because of the Word's sake. Y'all remember that? Jesus yes. told those, that story of the parable of the grounds and he talked about the stony ground. Mm-hmm. And he said the stony ground were people who they heard the word of God with gladness. They received it as the word of God with gladness. Right? They put it in. It began to produce in their life. And then when the opportunity of testing came, there was no endurance in them to stay. Does that make sense? So here James says again, knowing that the testing of our faith, right? And remember, we've been talking about this for some time with grace and faith. What is faith? Our response to what God said. That's right. Our positive response to what God has already done. So we could read this like this. When the testing of your positive response, right? <laughs> when, when the testing of your positive response comes, right? And what is that testing? The testing is, is will you say something different? Will your response change? Will your response shift, right? Everybody doing it? Okay, good. Everybody good. Everybody, I'm just... Okay, I'm just taking, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I know I'm just trying not to give us a drink of water from a fire hose, right? Right? Uh, just hold your finger here. I was just prompted a verse that's been in my, if y'all want to, a verse that I've been meditating on personally for probably a good part of this year. 
is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, right? Let's back up to verse 57 just because it's one of the great rah-rah-rah verses of the New Testament, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So how, how many know we got, we come, who is it that keeps saying we, we, we live from the place of the victor, mm-hmm. not from the place of the victim? Right. Amen. Right. And we should engage life from the place of the victor, not from the place of the victim. Mm-hmm. Right. Because why? Because we always get the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 58, therefore... Right? Therefore. So remember, what if you see a therefore, you got to find out what is there. And so because we always have the victory, therefore, my beloved brothers, I love that it says, be steadfast, and it says immovable. And I looked at these words, I believe, a week or so ago, and it's interesting because the word, they're somewhat... Um, Somewhat flip-flopped in the sense of the word steadfast literally means impossible to move is the word steadfast. Like think mountain. Mm -hmm. A mountain is steadfast. It ain't going nowhere. Does that make sense? And the word immovable here actually would be probably better translated in a modern way to mean can't knock me off course. I can't be derailed, mm-hmm. right? The, the thought when I was meditating on it that day a week or so ago, remember when it says, and I think it was Jesus, and Jesus set his face like flint. Mm-hmm. That's that same, he was immovable. When it came time to go to the cross, Jesus was focused. Jesus was locked in place you couldn't knock him off course. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So here, God says, because we always have the victory, we are immovable like a mountain, and we can't be knocked off course. Mm-hmm. That's connected to what we just said, right? We understand that the testing of our faith produces this steadfast immovability, this patience, this perseverance, this endurance. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right? And many times, again, um, and then guys, this is we grow into this. Yeah. So please, 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 this is something we all get stronger at. <laughs> Everybody said... Amen. Yes, man. <laughs> Amen. So I want to sit there and say, so, so don't anybody beat yourself up mm-hmm. if for some reason you, you get moved, if, if something comes and it knocks you off a little bit and you get, just get back up, mm-hmm. just come and get back up, right? Yeah. Just come and get back up. But this is what this is he's saying. Hey, listen, this is what, why we can command joy. Yes. We command joy because we go, oh man, here's a challenge. Here's a trial. Hallelujah. This, this is going to give my faith a little bit of a workout. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, this is, this is going to test my faith. This is going to test my immovability. This is, this is trying to test me. Am I going to change? Mm-hmm. 
what I, my response is? Am I changing my response? Or am I going to let it produce this perseverance, this steadfast immovability that I'm, I'm walking towards this direction? Does that make sense? Verse 4, but, but let patience then, or endurance, have its perfect or complete work, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So if I can say this out loud for whoever's here with us tonight, and I feel like whoever might be listening in the future on, on the podcast, hey, listen, um, again, spiritual maturity is growing in your endurance, it's growing in, in what we mean by endurance. Spiritual maturity is growing in the endurance of faith, right? It's growing in, and we understand that again, this, a trial comes. So what happens when a trial comes? First action, I command joy. Right, that's my first action. Then what do I do? Man, in that joy, I'm excited because my faith's about to get stronger. Why? Because this is going to produce some more endurance in me, which is just going to make me more mature, mm-hmm. which means I'm growing further into a place where I will lack nothing. Mm-hmm. See, I, I really think James here is hitting on to a bit of, of what Paul alluded to, again, back to the Philippian church. Remember when Paul said to the Philippians, he says, hey, listen, I have learned, I have learned how to have a lot and how to have nothing. Amen. Now notice Paul said that did that come by spiritual power? No. <laughs> it came through this process right here. Mm-hmm. Paul learned. He learned what it was like when there was enough money coming in the ministry and, and they were they were overflowing. And he learned what it was like to go, well thank you Jesus for I don't know, for beans and rice or <laughs> Or thank you for this uh, involuntary opportunity to fast, Lord. Yes. We appreciate that, right? <laughs> but there was this growth, and does that make sense? And that spiritual maturity, right, is is this, the growing in the strength and resolve of my response will not change, right? Let's see here. Now, he says in verse five. So if any of you lacks wisdom, right? Let him ask of God. I'm back in James. I'm sorry. James chapter one again. So here in James chapter one, verse five. So if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given unto him. So again, just, we're just kind of walking this through this verse by verse. So the subject under discussion is what here? Double-minded. No, no, we, that, we ain't got the double-minded yet. The subject under discussion, we're just reading through this. And this is a, what do we do in hard times? Command joy. That's right, we command. But the, I don't, I look, well, I, I was just wondering where you get the word command because I looked through like three or four. Okay. He said count. That count. Yeah, I keep, yeah, all, every mm-hmm. So if I go, it goes to counsel. So I'm going to go to Blue Letter Bible. Uh-huh. So let me go, where's my Blue Letter Bible? Because Kurt's asking a great question about how do we know. So this is a study 
for us many times again to do word studies is very helpful to look at what the original language says, right? So let's see. Do 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 do. I count it all joy verse two. I'm just digging in here. All right, so so it's the word and I'm named hegemonia, I think. Hegemonia. And it means to lead, to go before, to be a leader, to rule, to command, to have authority over. It speaks of a prince or a royal power, a governor, a viceroy, a chief, leading as in respects of influence, controlling in places of counsel. It speaks of overseers and leaders of churches. Right, used of any kind of leader, chief, or commander. Right, it speaks of being a leader in speech, a chief, or a spokesperson. Then the secondary translation is consider, deem, count, or think. So, do you see that? So here, this word is used, and it's it's a it's a commanding word. It's it, it would it's a command. It's like when we tell our kids to go, if you will, count something. It's not a, let me consider what I've got. It's here, the real root of the word is, I will lead. I will command. Right? I will command joy. Guys, listen, that's important because most people, again, think of the fruits of the Spirit as a feeling. Right? The fruits of the Spirit can have feeling and should have feeling in them. But the fruits of the Spirit are a tangible thing. It's a product. It, it's like a fruit. Mm-hmm. And maybe, again, y'all help me. Maybe this. How many of you, let's go, favorite fruit, real quick, give you like five seconds. Favorite fruit? Pineapple. Grapes? Pineapple. Pineapple. Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. Cactus fruit. Cactus fruit. Apples. Apples. Banana. 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 Favorite fruit? Mango. Mango. I knew that was coming. And so. Um, <laughs> And so, so listen, so, so now here's the thing. That's a tangible thing. When you eat it, is there an emotion? Yes. But the tangible thing produced the emotion, not the other way around. Yeah. We have the tangible thing. We have the tangible thing. So see, joy will produce the emotion of joy. But it's first a tangible thing that you will eat of. And that, like, to break it down a little bit better for Kirk, really, is when you're born again, because we have yeah. these discussions. Sure. Uh, when you're born again, you have a born again spirit. Yes. And inside that born again spirit is the fruit of the spirit. Yes. Love, joy, peace. Yes. It's in you, that's who you are. It's finding out who you are and you. Oh, I have to, I command the joy that I already have. In that's you. exactly right. Well, that's like, like what we said the other day. You know, um, it would be better like to say like this. We can't pray for patience. Because we already have it. Now we can command patience. We can draw patience from our spirit. And we can activate it. That's a good word. We can activate it. Again, maybe we can say it's voice. It's well, it's voice activated. <laughs> it's like uh, we're, we're kind of we're, we we kind of we kind of uh, I, I'm a, I'm an old person, so kind of the kids. We got the new Roku, and and the new Roku has that little voice button, 
So I still every now and then will be trying to search for a show and I'm trying to spell. I'm typing all this stuff out and they go, Daddy, push the button and talk to the thing. It'll, it, <laughs> and so these things are voice activated inside of us. So mm-hmm. patients have to have, if patience is being impossible to move, mm-hmm. so we shouldn't really be fighting against patients because mm-hmm. to have its perfect work, it's actually settling the truth in us. Absolutely right. So in other words, we can just say, I have that patience to walk through this. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and the patient. Patience in me to walk through this. Yeah. And here's the thing. I have patience while what is in me brings about the manifestation I'm needing to see. Oh, wow. Yes. That's good. That's good. Does that make sense? Yes. So I am, my, I am not changing. I am not changing my positive response. I am not changing, right, my faith, right? I am not changing. Yeah, well, and, well, and this is where we're getting to next. So, so again, so you see, so let me back up just a little bit. Remember, when you're reading through any part of the Bible, you can ask yourself, simple series of questions that helps you understand the word deeper. You can say things like, who's doing the talking? Who are they talking to? What is the subject under discussion? So we kind of did that. So who is doing the talking here? James. Who is he talking to? The Jews that are scattered through the world. Why are they scattered? Under the persecution. And, but these are Jews like the book of Hebrews that preceded the book of James. These are Jews that are doubly persecuted. They're persecuted because of their ethnicity. And they're persecuted because they believe in Jesus. So they're getting it from both sides. They're getting it from the exterior world because of their culture. And they're getting it from their own culture because they're Christian Jews. Right, so they, are these people going through trials? Yes, <laughs> on every side. On every side. So now you see why he starts with, my brothers command joy when you're going through this trial. So the subject under discussion isn't double-mindedness. The subject under discussion is, what do I do in trials? Right? Does that make sense? What, what do I do in trials? Good job, Mom. I just start spanking. Good. That's fine. You can totally spank her in here. We all spank We're people. All That's right. Yes. We've all Everyone received it and dealt it. Well, it's I awesome. Miss when I go to the bathroom. Yeah, that. absolutely. And it doesn't. And y'all know it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me at all. You might say, "Do it again." Hit her harder. No, obviously. <laughs> I'm trying. Wouldn't it be like working out? You know, it is. And so when you're exercising one of these fruits, you have to by faith pick up the, you know, pick up the dumbbell and move your arm sure. and actually work the muscle. Absolutely. No, that's, you don't get the result by just picking it up once. Yeah. It's every, you know, consistent. Yeah, and, and you don't get it by watching somebody else do it. No. <laughs> right. The videos do not help. The videos don't help. <laughs> right. So. So does that make, so do y'all see, so that's why he says, so we're going through, we're, the subject under discussion is trials. What do we do in hard times? Right? We count it all joy. We embrace patience because patience is causing us to mature. Not just us only in our spirit, but it's causing our faith to mature. Because it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when he, back up to that verse when it says, because then you won't have, 
if you have, if you, sorry, in verse four, but let patience have its perfect work, that you would be perfect, and that just means mature. That doesn't mean perfect in behavior. The word perfect throughout the New Testament is, is best translated mature. Mm-hmm. Not, I, very, very not I live perfect. Yeah. Right? It means I am mature. I, I am perfected in maturity. Does that make sense? It does, he's not demanding perfection of action. He's talking about maturity. Anyway, so maturity, you're complete, lacking nothing. Right? It's kind of like this. When we do something challenging and hard... When it comes time to do that again, it's easier. Because you look back and go, well, I did that already. I've learned. I know what to do with that. I know how to handle that. Oh, oh, that? Oh, okay. Do you see how that's maturing us? So that when the child comes and we stay steadfast, we stay immovable, we're letting patience have its work in us. Why? Because we're counting things, we're commanding things. Joy in things. We're commanding joy in things, right? We're not being moved from our positive response, Amen. right? And we're staying steadfast until when? Until it, until it changes. Until whatever it is changes. And here, the next thing he says, so, and then if you like wisdom. Now, this is a big piece. Guys, listen, this is, God's given us a lot here tonight. Yes. This is a big piece of how do we overcome challenging situations, right? Part of that piece is, Lord, give me wisdom what to do. Give me wisdom in this situation. Give me wisdom of how to navigate this. Give me wisdom. What's the plan? Give, does that make sense? Yes. Many times I think people come up short in their quote-unquote believing because maybe it's been our fault as pastors. We, we've kind of told people, well, God's just going to fix it. Right? God's just going to zap it. God's just going to, instead of saying, okay, well, sure, God's there and he's provided for us. But then as we walk it out, does that make sense? There's wisdom involved. Oh, it can be kind of funny. Does that make I, sense? I think that's why I enjoy uh, hearing the testimonies of ministers. Sometimes in their teaching, they don't give a wide enough description of the things that they did to get from point A to point Z because, for whatever reason, <clears throat> and so there's a something missed. Yeah. You know, other than just the written word, uh, I'm a visual learner, audible, you know, I like to write, see, and touch. Yeah. And so for me, I have to do it all. So, you know, when you get that visual, you know, that somebody paints with words that cannot be removed, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. then it sticks with you longer. Well, it does. Well, not, and I think we said, the biggest thing I love, and y'all have heard me say this before, most important words of anybody's testimony are the first few words. Yeah. Well, the Lord told me, and I always want to just stop people and go, let y'all hear that. Yeah. Yeah. They went to God. They talked to God. God told them to do what they're about to tell us. Yes. That's the most important part of anybody's testimony. Yeah. Now, sure, we can glean from the wisdom that follows, 
But, you know, Selena and I shared it on the live this morning. You know, Jesus healed everybody who came to him. Jesus left no one unhealed any time in his life that he was here. Now, when we look at, for example, blind people, but he didn't heal blind men the same way every time. He actually didn't heal anybody the same way every time. Right? So think about the guy that he spit on the ground, made the mud, rubbed it in the dude's eyes, and then said, now go wash. At a specific place. At a specific place. He gave him instruction to do that was connected to his healing. That would be wisdom. First thing that popped in my head, I know this might be on topic, but when you said seek wisdom, I was just thinking, well, okay, the first place to go is to read the Bible. Yes. But then when I'm reading, I've already went through two words that you've had to go back and mm-hmm. retranslate because they, in my head, didn't know. Yeah. So if you don't know, if you're like mm-hmm. just reading it until I met you and you told me that you have to go back and reread these Figure yeah. out what the words mean, like count and yeah. perfect. I'm, I'm, it's still it's, a starting point. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, that would be very confusing. <laughs> it, well, and it Kurt, it, time, but it's worth it. Yeah. 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 Well, I was going to say, even count, you can still figure that one out. I'm yeah. Like, okay, count it all joy. Well, you can see, and there's nothing but wrong. Perfect, it is one that, that is hard. Yeah, now, I have like, people, like believers think. Yeah. Like, and then, but then so I thought, well, you can't go changing the words. I think that's why it's hey, we're together and learn together. Yeah, you can't change the words. Where did you get this from? Well, so what we're talking about here, and this is a good lesson for all of us, but especially Kurt is, is we're growing in God, is to realize anymore in our current church culture, now I'm going to be criticizingly bold of the church at large but we as a wholesale we have not trained believers anymore how to go interpret the bible for themselves most people just we just we barely we just say we'll read it yeah and even like you know selena and i talked on the live this morning we kind of were answering somebody's question on prayer and the same thing many times even in prayer we just tell people, well, go pray. And we don't teach them what, well, the, did you know there's kinds of prayer? Yeah. I've heard, uh, well, just ask God what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And, and so, so what, what we're doing here, and so this is just to insert this here, one of the great tools, again, yet of Bible interpretation is what's called word study. Yeah. Now, and the reason why it's important is you have to realize that the Bible was written in either Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. Those were the three principal languages of the original writers of the Bible. And even though here, interpreters, and I think they don't mean it maliciously, I think interpreters very come to the scriptures, they know they're trying to translate the Bible into the language that they're coming at it with the best of their knowledge and ability. Does that make sense to, to, to bring it over and bring it into place? But it helps us as students to go back to what it was in the beginning because language is different. Yeah. We also have to realize that language has uh, devolved. Yeah, changed. Right? Not even changed, it's changed negative. Yeah. It's gone down. 
So the, the, the further back in time you go, uses of words are different. And, you just, and it's just a, we just have, oh, okay. So when we come to stuff and you look at this, I make it a regular habit. That's why I encourage you guys the Blue Letter Bible app. Anytime I'm reading, if, if I just make it a habit of, if something jumps out at me, one of my first actions is, well, what does that say in the original language? Yeah. And I'll go there and I'll look. Right? If I'm reading it something in, in, a, in, a, in a phrase or a key word in a phrase sticks out, and I read it there, I'll just go double check. Yeah. How, where's it at? Because it's not that count is an incorrect definition. Right? Well, it's, and it's, the it's original just, languages are so pictorial. Mm-hmm. Like, they paint a picture so much more. English is a very technical language, and so it's quite superficial because it's made for facts. It's made for um, tasks. It's made for, like, diagrams. You know, like, that's the kind of language English is. But Hebrew and Greek, Greek. and Aramaic, they're very much, like, draw a picture and it gives the connotation of the feel of. Like yeah. it's a completely different thing. Right? Well, and, and again, even to come back to here to kind of marry the two together, a good practice in counting it joy is the proverbial count your blessings, name them one by one. Remember that old song? Yeah. And it will surprise you what the, y'all heard that song yes. before? Yes. What the Lord has done, count your <laughs> So I remember all my bad. So part of, Counting it all, commanding joy is to go back and go, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm joyful for this. And I'm joyful for this. And I'm joyful for this. I'm joyful. I mean, again, even in this, Lord, the worst thing they can do is send me to you early. That's the worst thing they can do is I get to, woohoo. And and does that make, you know, it's, I mean, I almost think of like, I think if we look, we like the movie, not a, a movie reference, The Count of Monte Cristo, the new one that has Jim Caviezel in it. Have you ever seen that movie? It's now that one, absolutely five star recommendation. If you haven't seen it, Count of Monte Cristo got Jim Caviezel in the one that we watch. It's awesome. But one of my favorite scenes is the 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 hero is wrongfully imprisoned, and and there's a season where he's all down because obviously he's been wrongfully imprisoned. But then he begins to learn from another character and he, hope begins to dawn because they're trying to escape and they're working their way towards freedom, right? And so there's the scene where uh, the prison keeper beats the prisoners every year on the anniversary of them being in prison. So every time it's their one-year anniversary of being back in prison, the prison warden comes in and whips them. And in one of the scenes, the, the hero is standing there and he's all hanging and he's reciting what he's been learning in Latin with, every with all these beatings. And he's now no longer feeling like a victim because he understands that it's only making him stronger. Yeah. It's, and I always look at that scene and go, I, I always think that's the early church, mm-hmm. right? The early church was, you know, they were there being beaten and they were, they were literally counting it joy. I mean, that's what Paul said. Paul said, man, I count it joy that I get to suffer like Jesus did. How cool is that? Paul said, hey, I'm now entered into a new realm of, of reward in heaven called, called the martyred and the persecuted crown. Yeah. So Paul's like going, he's like going, you know, they're sitting there going almost like, you know, it's like this, we're going to beat you. And Paul's like, well, throw me in that briar patch. Yeah. Let's, yeah. That's awesome. Well, even, even <laughs> the two, if you look at what words mean, so one 
stuff is, put those two definitions in the together. You're a person of authority, mm-hmm. power, who can give commands, that's your spirit. Yeah. Telling your soul to go count all the reasons why mm-hmm. you're happy. That's right. And even I was reading today about Mary, you know, her response to receiving the incarnation of Jesus was, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit shall rejoice in God our Savior. That's right. That it's a choice you get to, like, literally you're, you're the person in authority. Mm-hmm. That's right. Issuing a command from your spirit to the rest of your, who you are. Mm-hmm. That's right. Guys, <laughs> but can, again, can we just, I mean, imagine if we all lived from there. And we can. Sometimes yes. reminders. That's right. You know, all the time. All the time. Yeah. Like we were going through something and we had just had dinner with y'all like the week before. Mm-hmm. And we're like in the middle of it and I was like, don't get discouraged. Remember, we were supposed to not yeah. get discouraged. <laughs> and we had gotten to it, but then, you know, it was so there needs to be reminders of this. Absolutely. Stuff, you know? No, and it does. And for all of us throughout the, throughout everything. Throughout our whole time. You know, I appreciate, you know, y'all were talking with Selena earlier and I love my wife's response. Man, this has been probably the toughest day in a long, long time. But I'm so glad I'm here. (laughs) I am. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad we came. I'm so glad. Does that, there's all kinds of stuff. But here, and Kevin, thanks for coming. Thanks for fighting traffic, buddy. I appreciate it. We're glad Kevin's here. Did you get a sandwich? Good. Awesome. Good, good, good. Awesome. So we're here talking about, so what's the subject under discussion? What do we do in hard times? Mm -hmm. Right? So what do we do in hard times? We command joy. Right? We're excited about endurance and perseverance because it makes us mature. Right? We understand that probably this trial has something to do with a lack of wisdom in me. Now, guys, listen, come back. That is, a, that is a big piece that a lot of believers are unwilling to accept. Are y'all with me? Don't look at me. Because right here in this passage, he's, why would he stick in there? And if any of you lacks wisdom, mm-hmm. what's the subject under discussion? Enduring hard times. Enduring hard times. Yeah. And in the middle of the conversation of enduring hard times, he says, oh, and by the way, if you need some wisdom... Ask God for it. He'll give it to you liberally. And Why? Because many times our trying times come from a lack of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't shout me down because we're preaching. I was in the middle of a tough situation today trying to make a decision. Well, I wasn't trying to make a decision. I just felt like I was stuck in the middle of this uh, situation. And I literally, I went to my room and I'm like, Lord... This is not easy and light. I'm having a hard time believing that this is you. So please turn up the volume and I need some wisdom right now, right? So then I went back to my, my computer and uh, you know, long story short, I was trying to finance a vehicle and all the things and I had reached out to my banker about some things. And, and right when I finished praying, uh, my banker called me and he just had some wisdom for me. And he doesn't know it, but the Lord used all that he was saying. Because he never has talked to me in that way, necessarily. We weren't crunching numbers or anything. He was just giving me some wisdom. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I've been sensing. He just put words to it and clarified it. 
and gave me another way, right? And so it was just like, thank you, Lord, you always. And immediately after that, I knew what decision I needed to make, you know, and I just corroborated with Brad and then I went and did it. And then, you know, it's like, I literally felt a vice come off my head because it's just been that much pressure for several days. And so it was just like, and so then I felt tingling and I could, my, there was circulation going to my head now and I could actually move and breathe. I could, I was like, you know, that short, shallow, stressful, anxious breathing. All of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, I can breathe again. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. So it was one of those endure, you know, how do you go through these hard times Mm -hmm. when you ask for wisdom, the Lord sends you wisdom. Sometimes he'll speak to your heart directly. You know, but in that moment, he knew what I needed and yeah. he knew exactly how I needed to hear it. Yeah. So does that make sense? And, and again, many times, too, it's uh, y'all have heard me say for months now talking about all of us and different. We have gaps. Right. Sometimes that gap is a lack of wisdom. Yes. It's not a lack of faith. Right. It's a lack of, oh, what do I do? Right? What's the wisdom in this that will bring me in? Does, does that make sense? Does that help? So now we're getting to where Alicia and them started. All right? Oh, it's taking us a little bit of a second, but you have to kind of back up and see this. So it says, so if he needs wisdom, he says, ask God, and God will give liberally and without reproach. Now, again, guys, can I have to stop here? So God's nature is what kind of a nature? Is a generous nature and a... And no shame nature. Because yeah. that word reproach there means without shame. Yeah. God's never going to look at us and go, oh, come on, you should have known that. Yeah. Come on, don't be a dummy. Does that make sense? Amen. Yes, ma'am. That's right. If I ever do that, come spank me. Yes, ma'am. Come tell me. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we have to ask. Absolutely. So, he gives without reproach. So, he gives generously. He gives shame-free, right? Now, verse 6. But, remember conjunction, junction? Okay. Function. But, <laughs> let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he that doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose, in verse 7, that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, he will, in the Lord, he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So now that, that phrase double-minded here, and here it goes, it means um, divided. Here's the, I'm just reading from my study Bible. Divided in your loyalty, undecided. It's a person that is divided between God and himself, right? The idea, again, is one of someone who has two opposing opinions. Now, what, what are the opposing opinions he's talking about here? Oh, who, God's, who God is in his nature. That's exactly what I was saying. That's exactly right. That so, solved my question. Yes. Because uh, earlier I was thinking, I know what my problem is. It's like, um, almost like, is God wanting me to win? You know, is God, mm. I know God wants me to overcome, but 
But it's almost like, am I alone doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it possible? Am I ready for that? It's just all the pressure thoughts. Absolutely. To grow and, you know, because I have failed many times and you're like, dang. Yeah. I don't even want to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, see. Disappointment of, you know, but knowing that God's nature is generous and without shame. That's where I'm missing that one. That's right. Yes. Can I say something about mm-hmm. reproach? Yeah. Um, in Spanish, to reproach something is to rub it in your face after I've done something for you. Yeah. Right? And so, here it says, in, in the Strongs, it says to cast in teeth, like just to shove it in your face kind of a thing. So when God gives you something generously, He's not going to make you suffer for it later if you mishandle it or if you didn't use it. Or it's like, it's like you know, some people will do something for you, but they want to pay back later. You know what I mean? Or they rub it in your face all the time. That in Spanish, that's reproach. So you you tell somebody, well, don't reproach it on me or whatever. However, you would say that in, in English. So the, the connotation Don't rub my nose in it. Yeah. is, yeah, the connotation is God's going to give it to you liberally and he'll never rub it in your face that he actually gave you what you needed. Yeah, so that resentment of people, you know, if somebody's ever done this before you, they're like, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That we exactly. often can do. And that's not good. That's not him. But so see, the, the, the double opinion is about who God is. It could be. It could be about, but here, and again, I just wanted to walk us through immediate context. I think an application can be if I'm double opinioned about anything that would be from God, right? If, if my, y'all heard me say this before, you know, years ago, God said this to me. He said, son, if your opinion about you is different than my opinion about you, just stick with my opinion, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, just stay with me and forget your opinion. Right, and so I think we can say it, doubt is if I am double opinioned about anything. If I if I'm double opinioned about healing, right? Again, I'm not trying to you know we've heard people sit there and say, well, I know God can heal, but He may not do it this time, or for me, or, or He may not. Has. He already has, but see, that's a double opinion. Any of that that double-sidedness, any of that opposing opinion, the, okay, well, sure, yeah, I know God, yeah, but, anything after the yeah, but, is, that doubting? is doubt. Yes. So, okay, can I ask a question? Uh-huh. Is doubting bad? Doubting is not necessarily... Asking questions, is it bad? No, da- asking questions, no, asking questions is not, but listen, here's, doubting is not bad. Doubting will just make what you are seeking ineffective because that's what he says here. He says, let the man ask in faith. Now, again, faith is what? So faith is my positive response to everything God's already done with me. So doubt is what? My negative my response, negative response yeah. to what God has already this done for thing. this push-pull. So you're fighting against yourself. You're fighting against, well... He is, but he who doubts, this is the problem with doubt. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind of the day. If everything, well, it's not even so much flip-flop is, 
It's more like this. The doubting person, when it's going good, oh man, I'm good. When it's going bad, oh man, it's bad. Here's what what the uh, passion says. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you're half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? That's very good. Well, and that is it. And now we're back to what we said about being steadfast. Remember, y'all have heard me quote my favorite theological line from a Disney movie, <laughs> right? Is the emperor in Mulan, right? And the bad guy's got the sword up to the emperor's neck, and the emperor says, No matter how loud the mountain howls. Yeah. He no, says, Bow to the bad guy, says, Bow, but no, then the emperor says, no, no matter how loud the wind howls, the mountain cannot bow to it. No matter how loud the wind... See, that's faith. No matter how loud the circumstance is, the unmovable one cannot bow to the wind. Doubt causes you to bow to the wind. Doubt moves you. So doubt, to me, doubt isn't questioning. Because sometimes we can still go to God and ask God. Doubt or not... Questioning can be... The pursuit of wisdom. wisdom yeah. Questioning can be, Lord, what do I do? Why is this going on? What's happening over here? How do I need to respond? What's So questioning, but doubt here is not a questioning of what's going on. It's, it's a questioning of him. It's the, it's the you're not generous. Yes, that's the you're, you're, you're going to reproach me. You're going, again, either you're not going to do it or somehow I'm gonna, you're gonna hold it against me. You're gonna hold it over my head. I'm gonna, it, how many, okay, now, okay, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Okay, um, so how many of you have ever heard somebody pray the proverbial vow? Well, oh Lord, if you'll just get me out of this one. <laughs> right? Oh Lord, if you'll just get me out of this one, then I'll do, that's doubt. Because you're actually saying, God, you're going to reproach. You're going to now hold, I owe you. And you're going to hold over me, right? Oh, I did this for you, so now you better pay up. Sometimes that might be good. It's like the man when he healed the lepers, he didn't do it so they could come back. It mm-hmm. makes me think of that. There's no reproach. There's no. I've seen Jesus heal people who never go to church. Yep. Ever. Ever. And I, you know what I'm saying? Like I've seen some of those stories, mm-hmm. and it, and it does like I know that's him. Yeah. It's his nature to heal. Yeah. Well, again, does that make sense? So, so here the double mindedness I think is the double mindedness is about God. Yeah, it's very good. Right. The double. It's true nature. His true nature. They don't know who he is. They don't know. They they sit there and they say, oh, well, will you be good this time? And again, and and I'm not trying to, I know a a lot, I'm not trying to really necessarily harp on on healing. It just is so understandable for so many of us. People say, well, well, somebody, if it's your will, a lot of people are like, well, maybe he'll heal me this time, but maybe next time he won't. Because, you know, again, it's kind of almost like God is from the Eastern religions. God has got to have a little yin with his yang. He's got to have a little good with his evil. He's, you know, God's going to, 
yes, God's going to be good to me today, but tomorrow I'm going to have to pay it back. That's, again, that's that. It's reproach. It's, it's doubting. And, and, and what he says is, is if you're unstable, if you're double opinioned about God and his nature, how can you expect to receive from him? Because you, you won't know. Does that make sense? You won't know. Because the connection here is back to if you need wisdom, ask to God and he will give it to you from his nature. Generously and with no shame. And he wants to. And he wants to. All we have to do is ask. All we do is ask. But th- does that help you with double-minded? So, so, so that double opinion is, 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 okay, God, this is who, that's, and we'll, we'll probably need to end here just for everybody's ability to absorb. Just, just like you want to get every good thing to your child. Mm-hmm. To Absolutely. Absolutely. Hebrews eleven six, right? The great faith chapter. Right, again, and I know I'm harping on this, but just, uh, just to throw it out there. What's faith again? Our positive response to everything God has given. Yeah, so faith is simply our positive response to everything Jesus has done for us. So famously, verse 6. But without our positive response to everything God has done, it's impossible to please Him. (laughs) What pleases God? Our positive response. To what he has already done. He's already purchased the victory in everything. In everything. Amen. Yes. So without our positive response, it is impossible to please God. For, now notice this, for he that would come to God must believe. Right? Must believe what? That he is. That God is, and we're going to come back to that, and what? He rewards. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, here's a little bit of a Brad paraphrase. He is a rewarder of those who seek him for who he is. So this isn't just, I must believe God exists. That's where famously, I think James says, the demons believe that. Mm -hmm. The demons believe God exists, but it does them no good. It says, Believe who he is. Well, he told us through the entire book, I am Jehovah Rapha, your healer, Jehovah Jireh, your provider, Jehovah Sitkenu, your righteousness, Jehovah Shalom, your peace, right? Amen. What, I mean, you can look, I am, oh man, those, all those great ones, you know, I am the, the God who hears you was one of them, Right? I, I am the God who sees and knows all. The one that's always there. I am the one that's always there. He, he talks about I am Elohim. I am, I am El Shaddai. I, love it. I am the, the, the multi-breasted provider. Right? I mean, and he tells us who he is. Ultimately, too, I am Jesus, God who saves. So here he says, hey, listen, if you want to come to God... You have to believe I am who I've told you that I am. Your positive response is based on who I am. Uh huh. So, is it, well, we started in the, one of the verses you were standing mm-hmm. on. So to, talk, like, mm-hmm. so to abound in the good work, mm-hmm. 
of the Lord, uh -huh. which was Paul's prayer, mm -hmm. you have to be immovable. Yes. But that, like, but in, in what? In like your position, in like being, mm -hmm. like understanding who you are and who he is. Yes, that's right. And to have some things settled. Yes. So that it's possible to abound. That's absolutely right. Yeah, so, so, it's, so when we talk about, back to, because I didn't finish the verse in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight when he says that you are steadfast and immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. And that word abounding in the Greek language means to go from bud to full bloom, right? That you're blooming, right? That, you're, that it's growing. So we abound, but that comes from this whole I am immovable in who he is. Remember what it said about Abraham in Romans chapter 4? Romans chapter 4 it says, In Abraham being fully persuaded in what? That the one who promised was able. Now listen, and, and again, for all my word of faithers here, okay? I, I don't, if I rub your cat backwards, give me a chance to spin it around, okay? Uh, <laughs> is Abraham was not persuaded in the promise. It doesn't say in Abraham being fully persuaded about the promise. He said, and when Abraham was fully persuaded that the one who promised was able, that's when it was accounted unto him for righteousness. See, that's what the journey of Abraham's faith, God was not trying to persuade Abraham about the promise. He was endeavoring to persuade Abraham about himself. Yeah. He was endeavoring to convince Abraham, this is who I am. Because if he was afraid about the promise, we wouldn't have Ishmael. We, we wouldn't have Ishmael. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it would have, it would have happened again. Now, here, here's, it would have happened quicker. If it was just about believing the promise, the all you got to do is believe the promise. It might be. I don't know the time frame. I haven't looked at the time frame, so that might be accurate. So my, my then they got in agreement with their mouth sure. saying what God said. I, I would not doubt that. That was very helpful. But Paul tells us in Romans, when Abraham was finally fully convinced that God would do what he said. So the persuasion that, to me, now this is just Brad, what flipped the switch in Abraham is when he was finally persuaded about God. Because then later in, hold on, and then later back in Hebrews 11, we read later where Paul talks about by faith Abraham, and it says, by faith Abraham offered up his son on the altar knowing that if he killed him, God would raise up that boy from the ashes. So even in that whole persuasion bit, Abraham was at a place because of the promise giver, right? Because the, he, he said, no, God, if God wants me to kill and burn this boy, then God must mean he's going to raise this boy up from the ashes. This is, this is going to be awesome, right? Right, and that, I mean, I don't think Abraham, I mean, I'm having a little bit of liberty 
I don't think it was as big a struggle of Abraham's soul as we make out the story to be. I don't think Abraham was up there very tumultuously. Abraham was so persuaded in God and he so knew God. He said, man, I'll kill him and burn him and God will bring him back from the dirt. Because that's just God. See, that's what, that's that whole, guys, listen to me. I've often wondered, even of my own self, when I run into seasons of doubt, it's not about my ability to believe, my degree of belief. It's, it really is, man, Lord, where, am I, where do I not know you? Where do I not trust you? Where, where in my gap, where is my gap about you? Because he is able. Because he, and again, so remember, so we come to him, and if we want to draw near to God, that's what he says here. If you want to come to God, there's only, <coughs> there's only two things you must believe. There's only two things you must be persuaded about. Who he is, and that he will reward you based on who he is. Even on this, even it's not even so much he's going to reward you because you seek him diligently enough. It's you seek him diligently. You seek him diligently as healer. You will find healing. You seek him as provider. You will find provision. You seek him as savior. You will find salvation. Right? You seek him as whatever, peace, you will find peace. Right? You were saying that he would get, it would have been faster. Yeah. So no, I mean, if he had only just believed in the promise. See, again, we tell so many people, and please hear me, I know I'm dancing around maybe a little bit of a slippery, well, Kevin, just trust the promises of God, brother. Don't we always say that to people? Just believe and just trust the promise. And not that that's necessarily incorrect, but it's better to say, hey, trust the promise giver. Yes. Trust the one who made the promise. Because the promise is only as good as the one who gave it. And aren't the promises given? Because I've been on this journey where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you can actually serve other people fully mm-hmm. when you know you're okay. Yes, that's the right. The fact that we have mm-hmm. God on our side and we know him. Yes. And he's made us all of these promises that we can benefit from, yeah. from knowing him and being mm-hmm. in relationship with him. It, it means I'm okay, so now I can turn all of my attention that's right. to what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. Because I'm not worried about me anymore. Well, and, and, that's, and Audra, that's why Jesus said what he said in Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus said, seek the kingdom, which, can I say it like this? If you were to seek a physical kingdom in this earth, who are you actually seeking? Because you can't seek a kingdom without seeking the king. Even to the point of, don't we do that with, with kings of the earth, right? I'm going to throw out names, historical, history trivia. Everybody okay? Everybody doing okay? History trivia. We call him Ivan the Great. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. He was Ivan the Terrible. So what did people know about the Russian kingdom at that time? Don't go there. Why? Because Ivan the Terrible is there. He's killing everybody. Because that's what he was doing. He was literally murdering. He was genocide. 
tens of thousands of people, and they called him Ivan the Terrible. They called her, though, Catherine the Great. Right? We called him Richard the Lionhearted. Right? And if you go through history, I used to know a whole much more. But if you go through history, we named kings. And we said he was, he or she was so-and-so, the weak, the strong, the this, the that. But what did that tell us also? It told us about the kingdom. Right? Under Catherine the Gate, the Russian Empire expanded the biggest it ever was. Right? Why? Because she was Catherine the great it was a great time to go to russia it was a great time to do business with russia it was a great why because catherine the great was it so whenever you seek a kingdom you're not just seeking a kingdom you are seeking the king so when he says i just say that as okay now let's take that verse jesus said seek first me because i'm the king Seek first me and my righteousness, and I will take care of everything else. And then he goes on and he says, he says, so don't be like the pagans who all they worry about is what are we going to eat and what are we going to wear and what are we, where are we going to live? And again, I'm going to pick on this. And what's the economy going to do? And how's that inflation going? And how about the stock market? And what about my 401k? And what about my this plan? And what about my other plan? And what about my insurance? And what about my car? And what about my kids' college tuition? And what about, right? He says, when you seek that level, you're, you're no better than a pagan. I know, ow. You're no better than a pagan if you seek at that level. That's what the, that's what the unbelievers do. The, that's what the negative responders do. That's where they seek. The positive responders, the believers, they know I got gotcha. you. <laughs> they know, again, listen, do you hear the difference of that? Yeah. They know that if I feed birds... I love what Keith Moore says. I can look out my window, and if I see a bird eating, Brad's going to eat. Right? <laughs> and, and I don't care if I open. <laughs> hey, and, and I don't care. And I don't care if I open my fridge and there ain't nothing there. Right? If I can look outside my window and I see a bird munching down on something, I know Brad's going to eat. If I can look outside and I can see a beautiful flower, that's only blooming for today and tomorrow will wither away, then I know Brad's going to wear good clothes. Does that make, if I can look outside and I can see animals and they got, they got nests in the trees, they got dens, they got places they sleep in, I'm going to... Why? Because of him. Guys, and listen, I, and I wish I could say, man, I wish I could say I was awesome at this. I have my own times of double-mindedness. Where I want to curl up on my bed and suck my thumb and pull the covers over and go. <laughs> I, I'm, I am there. So I, w- I mean, again, I wish I could say I was Mr. Super Duper. I am certainly not. But still, I have to come back to, but it never, the answer never changes. And so really, when we talk about if I face double-mindedness, we don't start with anything other than, okay, Father, I'm coming back to you. Because somewhere my, my, 
My double-mindedness is about me and you. And really, my double-mindedness is more about you. Somewhere there's, there's something twisted in me about you. Somewhere I, I'm, not, I, I'm not believing that you're as generous as you are. I'm not believing that you're going to be genuinely kind to me. Does that make, does that make sense? You, is this all right? I'll share one more story about you doing good. Miss Lynette, you okay? This okay? All right. Am I, am I rubbing anybody's cat backwards? Everybody okay? Do y'all know, do you know why Jesus did the first miracle that he did? His mama asked him to. That's a good way. That's absolutely. So y'all remember, what was Jesus's first miracle? Was water into wine. Do you know that that miracle was not about wine? That, that miracle was to remove shame. Because it would have been a disgrace and a shame on that young family to have not prepared well, to have not planned well, to have not done whatever happened to cause them run, to run short, ever how they missed it, ever how they made a mistake, whatever they did that caused the shortfall. But what Jesus' mama knew was, my boy won't let anybody live in shame. My boy won't let anybody be disgraced. So whatever he tells you to do, you do it because he will make sure you live without reproach. There won't be a black mark on your name. Nobody will be talking about how bad this wedding was. Right? Does that make sense? See, that's who he is. Right? And that is truly, that is where, that is the faith we have. That is where our faith is anchored and centered in everything else, every other belief flows out of that back to him because it's about him. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, just what you've been showing me, Lord, open up the eyes of our way of thinking and our way of feeling. Lord, help us to see you better and better and better in Jesus' name. Lord, help me. Help me see you as just as awesome as you are. Hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do y'all know how good God wants to be? It's because that's how good he actually is. Right? Because even I like what Miss Teresa said, we can sit there and say, man, if we want to do good to our kids, right, how much more does he want to? But, uh, but he, actually want, he, he actually is that good. <laughs> that's not just he'd like to be man if my bonus money comes in I'll be good <laughs> his, his is like I, I'm just I am I mean again have y'all thought I mean I know this is a lot of talking about you know you're talking about Moses asked to see God's face y'all have heard me say this before right and God said if you saw my face you'd die but I'm going to poke you in this rock and I'm going to walk by you and I'm going to let you see my backside Right, so God mooned Moses. That's what I always say. God mooned Moses. But it says in the scripture, it says, and when the goodness of God passed by, Moses caught the fleeting glimpse of God's goodness. And basically, so if we spun that, so if, if Moses would have seen how good God is fully, 
it would have burned all of the evil that was in him out. That's why he would have died. Because he would have been looking in the dead face or the living face or dead in the face. What's the right way to say that? Anyway, but he would have been looking dead. That's right. He would have been looking dead in the face of ultimate goodness. Because that's God's nature. When he said, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And God says, I'll let you catch a glimpse of my goodness, but you can't handle how it's all God. God, you just can't handle how awesome I am. You're just not ready for that yet. You just well, and again, they, and, but listen, and they talk about that later, right? When Moses goes to the mountain and he's there with God, he God, you know, he was in the presence of God so much he was receiving the Ten Commandments, the the commands, the the word, but he was in God's presence, and it says he glowed, like literally, physically, he glowed. So much so that he had to put a veil over his face so he wouldn't freak out the people of God. Because when he came down off that mountain, they all freaked when he glowed. And it says that every time Moses went to talk with God, he glowed. And he would come back and have to hide his face again so that people couldn't see the residue of God's goodness. Because they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle how good God was. It freaked. Guys, doesn't that sound like the church today? You tell people how. I mean, Isaiah says about that. Who is going to believe what I'm about to write? Who's going to believe our report? It is just too good to be true. Right? And that's why we call it the gospel. The just too good to be true news. So, guys, that, as we enter, let's, let's all hunger and desire. I, Lord, show me more of who you are than I would see and I would know. Amen? All right, I'm going to let you Thank you all for coming.